Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. We uh, started last week with the first Sunday of the year. Um, with this series, we're calling The Game of Life. It's um, God's wisdom, rules for godly living, if you will. And uh, there's great, great um, wisdom that God has given us uh, throughout Scripture, but particularly um, in the Old Testament, there's a group of, of books of the Bible that we are commonly referred to as the wisdom literature. Um, it begins with Psalms. Actually, Job is included in there too. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. So in those books um, are some very, very practical life application kind of things. Now, if you read through the book of Proverbs, um, it, it doesn't follow like a, a storyline. They are, they're just nuggets of, of, of incredible um, insight and wisdom. And sometimes you read through these and you just kind of go, blah, 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 blah. It, but if you ta- stop and think about them and think about how they apply to your life, um, you'll find incredible wisdom for you. Now, we started last week just talking about making wise choices. Um, and that's really at the heart of what the book of Proverbs is all about. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, all these. It's how to make the best choices for your life. And um, so in that theme, talking about um, wise choices, uh, I, I came across this letter. It's actually um, a bricklayer uh, was uh, injured on the job and had to file for workers' comp, and he had to write um, you know, what happened and the nature of his injuries. So um, here's the letter that he wrote back. Uh, to whom it may concern, with regard to my recent claim, the following is a written explanation as to the cause of my injuries. Having completed the job, I needed to remove the remaining bricks. Since it would have been taken too long to remove them by hand, I decided to put the bricks into a barrel and lower them down by the pulley that was secured to the roof of the building. After tying the pulley's rope securely on the ground level, I returned to the fourth floor, tied the rope to the barrel, loaded the barrel with the bricks, and swung it out of the window and over the sidewalk to be lowered. So far, so good. Then I went down to the sidewalk and, holding tightly to the rope, I untied it, planning to ease the barrel down slowly. But, since I am only 170 pounds, the 400-pound load of bricks jerked me up from the ground so fast I didn't even have time to think of letting go of the rope. As I passed between the second and third floors, I met the barrel coming down. This accounts for the bruises and lacerations on my upper body. I held tightly to the rope until I reached the top where my hand became jammed in the pulley. This accounts for the broken fingers. At the same time, the barrel hit the sidewalk with such force that the bottom fell out, spilling the load of bricks. With the weight of the bricks now gone, I was heavier than the barrel and began a swift descent. On my way down, I met the now empty barrel on its way up. This accounts for my broken ankle. Slowed only slightly, I continued down until I hit, landed on the pile of bricks. This accounts for my sprained back and my broken hip. At this point, I must have lost my mind completely because I let go of the rope and the barrel came crashing down on me. This accounts for my head injuries. As to the last question on your insurance form, please be advised, I will no longer try to do this job by myself. Not a wise decision. 
Um, it's, it's really, the book of Proverbs is really about making those wise decisions. And, um, and in fact, in helping you with this, um, what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, we did it again today, is we've given you these little inserts um, that are, actually it's two cards, you can pull them apart. They are memory verses. Now, for those of you who grew up in Sunday school, you know, this is not a big deal. For those of you who had no background, this is a great way to learn scripture, particularly because the Proverbs are so concise in one or two sentences, um, you can get a nugget of truth, and it's something you can remember. In fact, the reason the Proverbs were written the way they were was probably so that people could memorize them because, you know, things weren't written out or printed for us. So we did this last week. We started with last week with um, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Now, I gave you that assignment, and I gave you the little insert so you could take it home and do your memory verse work, okay? So you didn't know that, but this morning, you're going to be tested. So we're all going to recite together without me, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. I'll give you the first word. Are you ready? Eh, You don't look like you're really confident about this. Okay, here it goes. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust. That last sentence kind of got a little shaky. You did really good up until... uh, uh, Maybe somebody next to me will speak louder. Now, I know that not all of you did your homework because when we left last Sunday, there were a lot of these little cards left sitting on the seats, okay? So I know you're not doing your homework. Now, next week, you will be tested. I'm giving you fair warning, okay? And, and, and if you're not going to do it, okay, that's fine. But at least take the cards home and make me feel good, all right? Would you do that? So this morning, we're going to do a real easy one. We're going to start with this one. It's a Proverbs 17, 17. It's in your insert there. Pull it on out. It's very, very simple. Say it along with me. A friend loves at all times. He is there to help when trouble comes. Okay, that's real easy. Okay, even you over 50s, okay? Try it again. A friend loves at all times. He is there to help when trouble comes. Okay? So take those two. Again, like I said last week, um, put them on your bathroom mirror. Um, put them in, on the dashboard of your car, um, on the on refrigerator with the magnets that are up there. Um, because, in fact, that somebody told me last week what they're doing is they're taking the card and um, keeping it in their car so that every time they get stuck at a red light, they go through the verse again. So that's a really smart way of doing it, okay? The other thing I challenge you to do with the beginning of a new year is to start reading the Bible. If you haven't done this or if you haven't been doing this regularly, It's a good chance to start. And Proverbs, again, is a perfect place to start because there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. There's one for each day of the month. So today is the 10th. If you haven't started already, let me encourage you to go home this afternoon and just read through Proverbs chapter 10. Now, again, like I said, there's kind of snapshots and and little pithy statements, okay? And you might be tempted to just read through them and, and pass them on off, say, well, I did my reading for the day. Stop and think through. Because very often, the way that they are structured is to really make you stop and think about it. So do that, okay? As you get through this next week, on the 11th, tomorrow morning, read chapter 11, chapter 12, okay? And when you get to February, you get a couple of days off, okay? But you start back up on the 1st. You'll find it to be very, very helpful to your life, especially if you memorize these things. Um, And and really, I do. I do. um, I want you to be doing this um, because knowing Scripture, and, and particularly these wisdom um, Proverbs 
can be really, really helpful to your life. We talked last week about making wise choices. Um, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. If you memorize that, if you put that into application into your life, it will save you a whole lot of grief. And if you're not going to do the memory verse, don't come crying to me when your life gets messed up, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding about that, all right? So this morning, we're going to be talking about another area of choice. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be focusing in on some very foundational parts of this. Um, and remember last week, and again, I don't have time to go through the whole sermon, but the key takeaway last week is it's really a matter of trust. It's really a matter of trust. Do I believe that God really loves me and that he has my best interest at heart? Do I really believe that? Because if I believe it, then, then the instructions and the commands that he gives me make sense. Even if I don't understand them, I'm going to follow him because I believe he really loves me and has my best interest heart. He's not just giving me these things to make my life miserable. It's to make it better. So if I really believe these things, even if I don't understand them sometimes, I'm going to obey. I'm going to trust him. If I don't believe it, the chances are I'll just write it off or I'll equivocate in my commitment or, or I just won't even choose to obey and follow because I don't believe it really is for my good. It really comes down to a matter of trust. And today we're going to be talking about one of my life's most important choices, and that is your friendships. Your friends. Choosing your friends wisely. Making, choosing your friends carefully. Now, I say that, and as it comes out of my mouth, I'm thinking of my mother. Because she used to say that all the time, Ken. Choose your friends wisely. You know, and if I'm hanging out with the wrong crowd and one of them gets in trouble or I got into trouble, she goes, see, choose your friends wisely. Okay? So it's just really, really smart to do that because your friendships can make all the difference in your life. Turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you open your Bible smack dab in the middle, that'll be the book of Psalms. Turn over a few pages. Um, you'll get to Proverbs and following Proverbs is Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is also written by Mostly by Solomon, King Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived, gave godly wisdom. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, this is what he writes, beginning in verse 9. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie... This is my wife's favorite verse, by the way. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? She gives that to me every time she puts her cold feet on my back. (laughs) Verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now what he's saying is your friendships can make all the difference in your life. If you have good, solid, um, um, good operating friendships, it can help you through a lot of life struggles. He says, having close friends, he says, it'll be there to help us in our labors. That's what he says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for them. Friends can help us in our labors. Friends can rescue us when we fall. When one falls down, his friend can help him up. Friends are there to comfort us when we're hurting. And they're there to defend us in our battles. I think we'd all want those kinds of friends. But the other thing my mom used to always say was, If you want to have friends, you have to be a friend. And lo and behold, that comes from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. 
But if you're going to have these kinds of friendships, you have to be this kind of friend. And so what we're going to do this morning is, and, and it, this isn't going to be exhaustive at all, and because we're looking at five different qualities of, of good friendships and, and what it means to be a good friend, um, we're going to have to go through this stuff really pretty quickly. Um, so I encourage you to take this home and think about it. But one of the things I did in each point, down at the bottom, there's a little um, graph there, poor being one, ten being great, um, I'm going to have you rate, not your friends, okay? Rate yourself on the kind of friend you are in each one of these qualities. So we're going to look this morning. Five qualities for deep, good friendships. The first quality is loyalty. Loyalty is simply sticking with someone no matter what. You need friends who are going to stick with you no matter what's going on in your life. Proverbs 26. Many will say they are loyal friends, But who can find one who is truly reliable? He is saying there, friendships take more than words. Friendships take more than even friendly words. I don't know if this happens to you. Every once in a while, I get a phone call from someone who seems very, very interested in my life. They call me me by my first name. They want to know how my day is going. They ask me, what's the weather like in Benicia today? And then they tell me they're so concerned, they want to make sure that I have enough insurance coverage on my car. They are so friendly. But somehow, when I tell them, I've got all the insurance I need, thank you very much, the relationship changes. I don't understand this. They seem like really good friends, so concerned about my health and well-being. See, friendship is more than words. Friendship means time and attention. It takes time and attention to develop friendships. And we know this. We know this because every once in a while, you know, you see a friend you haven't seen in a long time and you catch up and you go, wow, you know, we need to go, we need to get together pretty soon. And we say that all the time, but we don't do it. And we wonder why the relationships kind of drift. Because they take time. It takes intentionality. It takes a genuine interest in the other person. It really takes an investment of your life in theirs. Look at this next verse. A friend loves at all times. He is there to help when trouble comes. Now, here's something else that's helpful, by the way, um, anywhere in Scripture, but particularly through Proverbs, is instead of where it says a friend, insert your name there and see if it's true about you. Ken loves at all times. He is there to help when trouble comes. Okay, I've got to mark myself down here. See, personalize it. A friend is someone who is there no matter what. And and by the way, your best choice in friendships are choosing friendships with people who are on the same path that you are. Remember we said last week that life is not static. It is always moving. It is always moving in one direction or another. That is life. And where you end up in life or where you find yourself right now this morning in life has to do directly with the choices and decisions you have made up till now. And where you ultimately end up in your life is going to be based pretty much on the decisions and choices you make from here on out. Now, the good news is you can make changes in your decision-making at any time. But like we said last week, the further you go down the wrong path, the less and less options you have. And the options you have get worse and worse. So you're better off being with someone who is on the same path as you. That, by the way, is one of the reasons why we put such an emphasis on getting everybody into a community group. 
Because you'll meet people who are on the same path that you are on. And you need those people in your life. Now, please, understand, we know just putting people together in a small group does not guarantee deep friendships. We know that. We know that. But what we're saying is the one way we can guarantee you will never have those kind of friendships is don't get in a small group. Don't get to know people. Spend your life on your own. Then you won't. All we're saying is if you can get into a community group with a group of about 10 to 12 people who are on the same path as you, you will help each other along the way. You will be the kinds of people who are there when other people need them. And we had stories all the time of how someone went through a difficult time or had a need and their community group stepped in. The best friends you can have are friends who are on the same path. And they are become the friends who hang with you through the ups and the downs of life. And every life has them. Every life has ups and downs. A friend loves at all times. They're there to help, particularly when trouble comes. Also understand, by the way, your friendships will have ups and downs too. If you haven't experienced that yet, you will have friendships where you won't always agree. You'll have friendships that sometimes you're in conflict. And a good friend fights for the protection of the friendship. Even if we disagree on something, we will not stop being friends. That's what the next verse is about. He who covers an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. There will be times in your friendships where you will not see eye to eye. That you will have disagreement. That you will even make mistakes and hurt one another. But in a good, solid friendship, you don't go complaining to somebody else about your friend. He says, he covers an offense, promotes love. Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So keep it between the two of you. Just keep it between. If you've got a problem in your relationship, keep it between the two of you. And then face whatever the issue is, whatever the problem is, face it head on. And then resolve to working it out. We're going to work on this because we value the relationship. Okay, given that, when it comes to loyalty, on a scale of 1 to 10, just take a minute or so, how do you rate yourself? Put a mark there. Now, you don't look at somebody else's paper, okay? Some of you, this is not a test that you can cheat from somebody else, okay? But just rate yourself when it comes to loyalty. How loyal are you? Which comes to the second quality. Generosity. Generosity, simply put, is putting compassion into action. It's not enough to feel like you should do something or intend to do something. It's doing something. Be the kind of friend that another friend can count on, that someone can turn to in a time of need. Look at Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. When it, is, when it is in your power to help them, if you can, help your neighbor now. Don't say, come back tomorrow. Don't put it off. If you can do something to help them, do it. And do it now. Not with best of intentions. Doing it. Doing it. Take the initiative. What it really comes down to is, is noticing what's going on in your friend's life and then taking action when it's needed. And it may not always be monetary. In fact, very often it won't be monetary. It might be that they need some help. It might be that they need to borrow some resources. It might mean that you've got an expertise in a particular area that you can help them with instead of them having to hire somebody to do it. There's a lot of ways you can do that. I have a next-door neighbor who's like, he is like the next-door neighbor of all next-door neighbors. I mean, and he has, I think he has every tool 
that has ever been made. And, and, and honestly, um, and whatever project I'm doing, he sees me outside working. He doesn't wait for me to come and ask him for the tool. He comes and says, hey, I got a tool that you could use that make that a whole lot easier. You know, I'm out there with a handsaw pruning my trees. Hey, hey you want to borrow my chainsaw? I'm out there scraping, you know, because I got to repaint the eaves on my house. And he says, and I'm standing on this ladder, like on the top step where it says not a step. You know, I'm on there holding on. And he says, hey, I got a bigger ladder. Let me bring it over for you. Okay? That's a friend. That's a friend. You want to be that kind of a friend. And it doesn't have to be a huge, huge sacrifice. It's just simply doing what you can. That's what he says. If you've got the ability, help them. Help them. It really is true, that old saying, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. That is true. It is so true. And what happens when you do that, you benefit as well. Look at this next verse, Proverbs eleven seventeen. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, it won't be, again, a monetary payoff necessarily, but the sense of having helped and made a difference for somebody's life. That's, that's enabling. That's refreshing. So again, let me ask you, how do you rate yourself on those? When it comes to generosity, are you the kind of person that's there to help when somebody's in need? Third one is humility. Humility, simply put, is being open about my needs and my weaknesses. If you're going to have deep friendships, you will not be the strong one all the time. In fact, if you're going to have a deep friendship, you cannot always be the strong one. Because to have deep friendships means you've got to make yourself vulnerable. You've got to be willing to admit that you do need help. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. It's being able to ask for help. It's kind of the other side of the one we just talked about in generosity. It's being able to admit, I've got a need. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that's one of the toughest things. Because after all, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be the strong one, you know? And it's really, really tough for me to admit, I need somebody else's help. That is a learning process for me. This is one I've had to work on more than anything else because I like being the rescuer. I like being the strong one. It's really hard to admit I need help. But for deep friendships, it takes that level of vulnerability. It takes that level of authenticity. Now, you can't do that with everybody, but you need to have some people in your life that you can do that with. You can be honest about what's going on in your life and the needs and the hurts that are happening. It also, by the way, means admitting your mistakes as well. Because you'll make mistakes. You will make those mistakes. Look at this next verse. Proverbs 28, 13. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Just the willingness to admit, I was wrong. In fact, it's been said, the four hardest words in the English language, I need your help. And the three hardest words are, I was wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. (laughs) And the two hardest words are, forgive me. But in deep friendships, that level of sharing and helping happens. 
Proverbs 27, excuse me, Proverbs 22, 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Asking for help. That takes humility. Next one is honesty. And this is a little bit on the other side. There's three sides to this coin. Uh, Honesty is simply speaking the truth in love. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 17. In fact, that's the other memory verse for you this week. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We all benefit when we are being held accountable. And that means if you are the one who is holding somebody accountable, the thing that you hate doing the most, it might mean confrontation. But see, we all need somebody in our lives who will hold us accountable. We need those people. And I've got, I've got about four or five men that have permission to ask me the tough questions, to put me on the spot at any time. And they say, okay, how are things going? And you're, what are you doing about this? Are you keeping up with that? Anybody who's in a recovery program knows the importance of having other people. People who know you, people who have insight into what's going on in your life, people that have that kind of permission. In fact, people who recovery do best when they have a sponsor. There is one person that they can call and one person who is checking up on them. I had someone, there's someone in my life that called me not too long ago and, and, and said, you know, this weekend, there's this thing coming up, and it's, it's just an area that he's made me his accountability partner. He says, it's an area you know that I struggle in, and I know there's going to be a temptation there, and I need you to pray for me, and I need you to hold me accountable. Will you call me Saturday night and ask how I did? You got it. You got it. Because we all need that accountability. John Ortberg puts it this way. If someone is truly my friend, their deepest concern is about the well-being of my character and my soul. If someone is really my friend, what they care most about is what's going on on the inside. Wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You got all these people in your life that are all yes people and they just tell you how great you are and all the things... You know, your enemies can do that. It takes a friend to hold you accountable. Say, listen, I see this path you're heading down, like we talked about last week, and I know where that path ends up. I can see down the road, and you may not want to be looking at it, but I see where it's going. And I can't, as a friend, let you go down that path without saying something. Now, let me tell you, that is risky. That is risky stuff. And it's difficult. It's incredibly difficult and it might get messy and you might even be rejected. And you don't do this with everybody. But a friend will do this. There's a big difference, by the way, and I need to do some clarification. There's a big difference between truth-telling and judgmentalism because very often when people are being confronted about something, they'll say things like, well, you're just being judgmental. Don't you judge me. You know, judge not, lest you be judged. Okay, there's a really big difference between judgmentalism and truth-telling. Okay, in truth-telling, the purpose is to warn and to guide and help correct and steer a person back on the right path. Judgmentalism is simply the purpose is to criticize and demean them. There's a big difference in purpose. There's a big difference in the desired result. In judgmentalism, the desired result is just to be able to condemn them to put them down, to condemn them. But in truth-telling, the desired result is to help them and to help healing 
take place. And in judgmentalism, the interest is in the person making the judgment. Their own sense of superiority and self-righteousness. If I can tell you how bad you are, it makes me feel better about myself. But in truth-telling, it's for the benefit of the friend. And so that's a pretty good filter to run it through if you've got to be one of those people sometimes. And if you're the receiving end of this, it's a really good thing to just ask, okay, is this judgmentalism or are they really concerned about me? The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Heartfelt counsel. So let me ask you, are you the kind of person that can be honest with your friends to hold them accountable? Scale of 1 to 10, how do you mark yourself? And the last one is mercy. Mercy is simply undeserved forgiveness, undeserved kindness, undeserved grace. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. We need forgiveness. We need mercy because we are all faulty people. (laughs) And we will make mistakes. And we will disappoint each other. We will let each other down. We will do the wrong thing sometimes. And we all need mercy. We need forgiveness. And again, let me take just a few minutes before we wrap up. What forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not excusing or sweeping under the carpet or saying, well, that's just the way they are. Okay? Forgiveness holds a person accountable. You hurt me. You did something that hurt me. But it's the choice to let go. You hurt me, but I'm letting go. It's the choice to not hold to my right to retaliate, but to simply say, you know, that hurt me and it hurt me bad but I forgive you. I let go. And by the way, you can do that without them even asking you for forgiveness. Because a lot of times we hold on to it. Well, as soon as they ask for it, I'm happy to give it, but I'm not giving it until they ask. That only hurts you. Being willing to let go. And that might be a long process depending on the hurt. And there might even be be times when the damage that's been done so irreparably to the friendship that the friendship will not be able to ever be the same. It may not even be able to continue. But you can still forgive. A man's wisdom gives him patience. He will be honored if he forgives someone who sins against him. You can still forgive. Even if the damage seems irreparable to the relationship. Don't hold on. Choose to let go. Proverbs ten twelve, Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all wrongs. So as you look back on those five qualities, and we kind of went through them really, really quickly, how do you rate yourself on these? Is there an area that you could use some improvement where you really need God to, to do something in your heart to be more forgiving, to be more generous, to be more honest? Whatever it might be. Now, every one of those are necessary for a deep, lasting friendship. It's not one from column A, one from column B, okay? It's all of them. And there is one, there is one who has embodied them all. God, who made himself known through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus will not give up on us, no matter what. No matter what.
And he humbly emptied himself of all of his divine privilege and became a man and lived among us. And then he generously, generously offered up everything on the cross. He speaks truthfully to us about our sinful condition. He doesn't excuse it. He holds us accountable, but he also, in his mercy and his grace, has already paid the penalty, and he forgives. So wherever you find yourself as a result of the choices you've been making in your life, and you want to make a change, maybe in your friendships, maybe it's another area, wherever you are, maybe, uh, no matter how helpless or hopeless a situation might be, there is always hope because of Jesus. Because there is no decision you've made that is beyond his ability to redeem. And if you're here this morning and you're feeling overwhelmed by the circumstances of your life, and most of it is your own doing, there's a chance to change by the power of God's mercy and grace. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Yeah.